Well, I'm certainly grateful for this magnificent washout, a turnout, and uh, now I'd like to say a few words. Hello? I must be going. I cannot stay. I came to say I must be going. I'm glad I came, but just the same, I must be going. La la. For my sake, you must stay. If you should go away, you spoil this party. I am through I'll stay a week or two. I'll stay the summer through. But I am telling you, I must be away. Can you say? In fact, I'll even stay. Good. But I must be going. <laughs> this is gold. This is gold, Jerry. It's gold. <clears throat> Jerry, baby. Okay. Gentlemen, Ciccolini here may talk like an idiot and look like an idiot, but don't let that fool you. He really is an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, uh, one line, which I think is one of the most clever things ever said among the many thousands of things these brothers said, uh, this week on the Wage of Cinema, and we're going to do something special here. We're going to split this up into two parts. We're talking about the Marx Brothers. Yeah. I feel like if you took, like, quotes from every Marx Brothers movie and just, like, put them in a bag, any line that you draw out is going to be, like, the funniest thing ever. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's like, you can't, you can... It's hard to go wrong with a Marx Brothers movie. Yeah, I mean, it's almost it's it's almost difficult to try to analyze them in some kind of like super psychoanalytical, like philosophical way because a lot of what they do is just down to we want to make you it's, laugh. It's, it's yeah, it's nonsense. A lot of it's nonsense. Awesome nonsense. Awesome nonsense. I'm sure that they're, I'm sure that the writers that they worked with. Uh, had some sense of structure, but a lot of what they did, their their whole ethos was, okay, we have the structure, let's just throw it out and try to make it... Like, let's see what we can hang better. on this frame we got here. Yeah, we have this really nice frame. Hey, what well, can we hang on it? Yeah, I don't exactly. Now the elephant's and, too big. Oh, the elephant is big enough. Wait, you're big enough. Why don't we hang you? I'm just... <laughs> I was trying to do a Mark's person. It's just, you know, you have all... Well, technically, there were originally five Marx Brothers. We should say that in the theater days. But only four of them count. Yeah, pretty much four of them count. And then even after a certain point, the fourth one doesn't count either. Right, he counts all uh, for as many as five films. Yeah, okay. And those are the five films we're going to talk about today. We're talking about uh, their first five films. Uh, the Coconuts, Animal Crackers, Monkey Business, Horse Feathers, and Duck Soup. Yes, uh, those are the first five films. Those are the films that they made while they were at Paramount. Right. Also, that that also distinguishes their career. Um, then they leave Paramount, and everything gets complicated. So we'll start with the easy part. Yeah, we'll start with the part where everybody basically acknowledges that these movies are rel more or less classics. Right. The first one came out in 1929. The it is often It's often counted as arguably the first comedy musical. Huh. Um, now I talked about this, I think on another episode briefly, uh, about a month ago, but it's worth noting that this is a movie that establishes a lot of the tropes and kind of characters that you get with, uh, Marx Brothers movies, right, which is, they have like, they have one central location, right? Uh, in this case, they are, uh, they're at a hotel, um, and, um, basically, uh, Groucho Marx is the guy put in charge of it. 
Um, Groucho Marx is always is being put in charge of something. Yeah. And then he and then you have Margaret Dumont who shows up like she's like the unofficial fifth Marx brother. In this movie, she's Mrs. Potter. Right. Which which sounds like she, something out of another movie. And for some reason, she always admires Groucho. Yes. And she's extremely rich, and they're ob- and he's obviously trying to scam her. We haven't been paid in two weeks, and we want our wages. Wages? You want to be wage slaves? Answer me that. No. No, of course not. Well, what makes wage slaves? Wages. I want you to be free. Remember, there's nothing like liberty except Collier's in the Saturday Evening Post. Be free, my friends, one for all and all for me, and me for you, and three for five, and six for a quarter. And then... Chico Harp- shows up with Harpo. They do something hilarious. They're doing their scam. <laughs> yes. And then Zeppo Marx is usually the guy who, I'm going to be honest, sometimes I forget who he is in the cast. He's the bland one. He's the one who kind of <laughs> blends in and becomes part of the cast of yeah. uh, regular people. He's like, he's a Marx brother, but he doesn't do much that's funny. Well, it's in ir- fact, yeah. he leaves after Duck Soup, like uh, the last film we're going to talk about today. And for... Night at the Opera, they and Day at the Races, they just get another guy who's just as bland as he is, yeah. and he's basically unofficial uh, Zeppo. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's ironic because I've read about the some not not extensively, but I've read a little bit about their days in vaudeville in yeah. theater, which is where they really got known and established their their base, and. Zeppo could actually be very funny, yeah. and there's this great story where there was one time where Groucho was like really sick. I, I forget what it was, and he couldn't uh, he couldn't make a show. So Zeppo put on uh, Groucho's makeup, yeah. and went on stage and killed, yeah. and nobody knew it wasn't Groucho. Yeah. He just knew Groucho's whole act, and uh, and I forget. Oh, I should look up what Groucho's remark was after. Uh, <sighs> He heard about this, uh, but I, his remark was insert funny phrase here. Yes, insert <laughs> comical phrase. Because uh, and you, um, I mean the classic thing that I uh, that was laid out for me, of course, which you know some may or may not think that this holds water is uh, from Slavoj Žižek, our good old Slovenian uh, uh, slobbering dog of a brilliant man, who. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is that an adequate description he's kind of he he kind of he, looks like, like he looks like, like a, a big, hu- he's like a big brown sheepdog yeah sheep he looks like a human sheepdog who learned how to talk and read a bunch of philosophy books and oh on. please someone make a cartoon where there's a dog and give yes! him a slav voice he's yes! voice <laughs> <laughs> anyway if they ever do a reboot of futurama they need to have uh Put him in Rick and Morty, for God's sake. Yeah, Rick you and know. Morty. You but, had Werner Herzog on already. Come um, on. All right. But the point is, Zizek tried to lay out that uh, Groucho, Harpo, and Chico represent uh, id, superego, and ego. It's clear. Groucho, the most popular one with his nervous hyperactivity, is superego. Well, that covers a lot of ground. Say, you cover a lot of ground yourself. You better beat it. I hear they're going to tear you down and put up an office building where you're standing. You can leave in a taxi. If you can't get a taxi, you can leave in a huff. If that's too soon, you can leave in a minute and a huff. You know you haven't stopped talking since I came here? Chico, the rational guy, egotistic, calculating all the time, is ego. Chico Lee, you're charged with high treason. And if found guilty, you'll be shot. I object. Oh, you object. On what grounds? I couldn't think of anything else to say. Objection sustained. And the weirdest of them all 
Harpo, the mute guy, he doesn't talk. Freud said that drives are silent. He doesn't talk. He, of course, is id. Who are you guys? What are you doing in my room? He's my partner, but he not speak. He's Demonodov. The it in all its radical ambiguity. <laughs> Namely, what is so weird about the Harpo character is that he's childishly innocent, just striving for pleasure, likes children, plays with children, and so on. But at the same time, possessed by some kind of primordial evil, aggressive all the time. And this unique combination of utter corruption and innocence is what the it is about. And it kind of makes sense. Now, the, the one problem with that is I don't necessarily know if Chico is all... I guess you could say he's the same in all of those movies. He's always the schemer. Yeah, he, he's, he's like the con man. Yeah. Which probably reveals a lot more about people's attitudes from the 1930s about Italians. That, than, <laughs> than... Well, we should also mention they're they're real. They they are uh, the Marx Brothers were you know very they, they were Jewish. Yes. In case you didn't know, Jewish comedians. Wow, who knew? I know, right? That's like uh, the Three Stooges. Man, who knew? Um, but. Uh, but yeah, you have Chico, who uh, I guess yeah, he's technically an Italian uh, type, but funny. <laughs> he is playing an Italian stereotype. In he basically all of is. Here's the thing that the amazes character in me, all though. these movies. Yeah, he's Ciccolini, he's Ravelli, he's uh, uh, Bravel, Baravelli, and horse feathers. Yeah, it's like come up with something that sounds vaguely Italian. And then it's like, okay, that's your character's name. But it's always the same character. This is what amazes me. I mean, after watching about 11 Marx Brothers films in about that many days, it's... You really notice the tropes. Well, you kind of have to notice them because they're basically there the whole time. But then they become super pronounced. But the but the funny thing is, is that it just works every time. Yeah. No, it, it's <laughs> still funny. And I think it's because... A, they just have that natural chemistry with with each other. They're hysterically funny. Yes. Uh, they, they and also again, you you have the nice dynamic where two of the brothers speak, and one of them speaks a lot more than the other one, and then you have a third one who doesn't speak at all. Have you anyone here to defend you? It's an no use. I even offered to pay as high as eighteen dollars, but I know who to get somebody to defend me. My friends, this man's case moves me deeply. Look at Ciccolini. He sits there alone. An abject figure. I abject. I say, look at Ciccolini. He sits there alone. A pitiable object. Let's see you get out of that one. Surrounded by a sea of unfriendly faces. Ciccolini, give me a number from one to ten. Eleven. Right. Now I ask you one. What is it has a trunk but no key? Weighs 2,000 pounds and lives in a cycle. That's irrelevant. Irrelevant? Hey, that's the answer. There's a whole lot of relevance in the circus. That sort of testimony we can eliminate. That's a fine. I'll take some. You'll take what? Eliminate. A nice cold glass eliminate. Hey, boss, I'm going to good. <laughs> I suggest that we give him 10 years in Leavenworth or 11 years in Twelveworth. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll take five and ten in Woolworth. I wanted to get rid of habeas corpus, but I should have gotten rid of you instead. Complete madness. And they rarely reuse a joke. I can only count maybe one joke. 
that was used in two different movies. Yeah. Um, but they're always, but they're also sort of weird things in Marx Brothers movies that, that, uh, they show up and you're like, all right, let's get it out of the way. There's like the villains, well, the, plot. The, <laughs> the, 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 the villains who are gonna, who are scheming, rob this or that. Yeah. Like in coconuts, it's like these people who are just trying to, uh, get their hands on i don't know what it is well the, there, isn't there like a land deal or something yeah there's, there's a whole with thing land and and or and like someone gets framed for stealing something and it's like who cares yeah <laughs> they're, they're they're framed for stealing the plot if you are watching a marx brothers movie for plot then you got your head up your ass well until you get till night uh, until you get to night at the opera well, the early <laughs> movies the ones that are more based in theater that are all about gags and jokes. And then they're about performances too, because then there are the other common things that happen to Mark Brothers films. Chico plays the piano. And Harpo plays the harp. Harpo plays the harp. And he also played another instrument too. And didn't he play something else in coconuts? He played the harp, but did he also play the he violin? He played the clarinet, I believe. Oh, the clarinet. Okay. Some, uh, there will be a performance and, We'll talk a little bit more about this later. Mm-hmm. But again, it's it's you wonder why are they doing this in a movie? And it goes back to basically their their vaudeville act. It's yeah. like we're going to do anything we can to entertain you, whether it's telling jokes, whether it's playing musical instruments. We have this thing called a stage. Yeah. We're going to use it. Yeah, and when you're right there in front of me, they're like, "Oh, yeah, that, that guy is playing the piano in a very funny manner. That's great. Yes. Oh, that man is playing the harp extremely well. That's great. Yeah. And now this overweight woman and this ma- short man with a mustache yeah. are going to do a funny sketch for us. Yeah. Now I do have to say that they're, in terms of the kind of scope, I think maybe by the time they got to Duck Soup, it maybe did get a little bigger. By the time they get to Duck Soup. Things have become so refined that most of the stuff we're talking about is gone. Yeah, Chico I mean, they does do, not yeah. play the piano. No. There's no harp solo. Uh, there's very little romance. Zeppo is not like the straight guy who is just in love with this woman. That's yeah. like his traditional part. Duck Soup has Duck... more of a focus on actual satire of something. Yeah, and by that I mean like war and like kind of like military. And And here's something I didn't realize about Duck Soup. I've seen Duck Soup a ton of times. It's one of my favorite movies. Me too. And I hadn't seen it in a while, unfortunately. But then when I saw watched it for this, it's short. It is a little over an hour long. A lot of these movies aren't too well. The Coconuts is pretty long. Yeah, for for a comedy like this, and and we get when we get to the next part and we talk about Day at the Races, that's almost two hours. Yeah. And but yeah, it's no, just like they, it, it flies by. At, and then as as their careers went on with Paramount, they were just somehow able to hone down the scripts, hone da- hone down the films until they got it to like that fine point of Duck Soup. This is why Duck Soup is my favorite Marx Brothers movie. Mm. It's so focused yeah. and it's so it gets rid of all of the of the extraneous crap that it's when, when it hits, it's just like pure concentrated yeah. hilarity. Now I have to say, I the one movie I did. I get to rewatch, and I know I've seen it in my life, but Monkey Business is a bit of a blur. Can you remind me what? Are they on a ship in that movie? Yes. Okay. Oh, you want you want you want a good line from Monkey Business? Please, Madam. When I'm through with you, you'll have a clear case for divorce, and so will my wife. Oh. <laughs> In Monkey Business, they're on a ship, mm-hmm. and they're they're stowaways. 
And then they get off the ship and they start working for a mobster whose daughter gets kidnapped. And she's the one who, like, Zeppo falls in love with. And, okay. you know, and that's how it is. It's actually kind of thrown together, it seems. A lot of those early movies, I'm thinking of Coconuts, I think in Animal Crackers, and I guess you say also Monkey Business. Yeah, there's always this other, like, we have this subplot where there's a real romance between people. And, yeah. like, in the Coconuts, it's funny because I looked this up. I was looking up trivia on that movie. Irving Berlin did songs for the movie, and it's the only movie that Irving Berlin did songs for that didn't get a hit. Oh, jeez. Like, he actually did write this song called Always, which I guess is supposed to be a... Man, now I'm looking like one of those kids. I, like, there's some old guy listening in, like, another country. He's like, you don't know Always! <laughs> <laughs> but uh, one of the nice things was I got to see Horse Feathers in college. Yeah. They showed it in a class and uh that that's a movie about college. Yeah. Well, isn't <laughs> they also isn't the climax of that a football game? It is. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, it, it it kind of presages like the the climax of Duck Soup where they have this sort of just big set piece yeah. where they just do hilarious things. Here's here's a exchange I like uh oh. in Horse Feathers. Okay. If this is a singing lesson, I'm a ring-tailed monkey. This is a singing lesson. And keep your family out of it. <laughs> here's a quote from Horse Feathers I love. They're talking about getting rid of the dorms. It's like, well, where will the students sleep? Where they always sleep? In the classroom. <laughs> oh, professor. Oh, by the way, Horse Feathers oh, and uh, and Monkey Business. Two films that don't have Margaret Dumont. Ah. Did they have a replacement Margaret Dumont? No. Like, to, so Groucho just played off of other people. Yeah. But you need, like, yeah, Margaret Dumont, what's great about that combination is Margaret Dumont is, like, the epitome of stiff upper lip upper crust woman yeah and, and groucho marx is just there with his cigar and you know saying wisecracks yeah. margaret dumont is groucho marx's insult punching bag yeah <laughs> it's you, and, you and just... it wouldn't work if if you had anybody else who was less upper crust than her right but it's also great because she barely reacts to things like she, when when he when, yeah. when he lands Nothing... an insult like her eyes will widen and she'll like look around and but constantly... she doesn't look but she doesn't look hurt by anything and he's constantly hitting on her too yeah it, it's kind That's of a weird relationship yeah throughout the, all these movies he's like i love you i love you i want like why because she has money Ah, Groucho is also is, is usually running some sort of con. Yeah, as well. like the, the, <laughs> there's all, yeah there's the land con in Coconuts, which is uh oh oh what's the name of it? The whole thing with uh in Coconuts. Oh, I'm blanking on this. Oh, it's so bad. The uh, the way that they describe the uh, uh the what like the the way like when he and when Groucho and Chico are looking over the map, yeah, you know what I'm talking about, and um, they're 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 discussing what's what... this on the map? Oh, oh, these are the levees. Oh, that's where the Jewish families live. <laughs> but Groucho is trying to sell him like this this crappy piece of land, and it's all just like jokes between them back and forth. Oh, that's like the best. That's like maybe the best scene in the movie. And meanwhile, and and then the villains are trying to like, oh, we're gonna steal the diamond necklace, mm. and you know we'll be able to get money for ourselves, and we'll frame Zeppo because he's the blandest of us. Here's an interesting piece of trivia: this, um, the coconuts features the very first, in a, at least certainly in a sound movie, but maybe also in silent film, the first overhead shot of like a bunch of figures doing something in a frame. Like, I don't get it. 
Like, do you know how, like, in, like, a Buzzley Berkeley musical, they'll have, like, the shot overhead on a bunch of dancers okay. who are doing some movement? Yeah. In this movie, they have that. All right. Like, you know, do you remember that, where they show, like, the dancers and they have that formation? I didn't remember it. <laughs> well, I, I could show you a picture I wasn't later. exactly looking for it, but I get your point. But uh, Animal Crackers is also quite fun. That's where you get also, uh, occasionally they could have very funny songs. Yes. Um, you know, uh, I Must Be Going. It's yeah. from uh, Animal Crackers. That's, yeah. That's such a great song. You know what's weird about... The songs? No, you know what's weird about Animal Crackers? Animal Crackers is this movie where... Isn't that also at a hotel? No, it takes place in like a mansion. <gasps> yes. Zeppo yes. plays like a painter who's trying to uh, marry Margaret Dumont's daughter. Is that with the, then, with the fake painting? Yes, the fake yes. painting. Yes, right. And, and then... Like, you know, he's trying to prove that he's an artist. And Groucho comes in because he's this famous African explorer called Captain Spaulding. And then he does that big yes. speech about what Africa is. Yes. Africa, oh, it's so good. Africa is God's country. And he can have it. You know. <laughs> I love the end. That's that's the beginning of his speech. And then the joke at the end of that speech is, we took some pictures of the native girls, but they're not developed. However, we're going back in a few weeks. So, and then someone cuts him off. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a, you know it's interesting too they have little jokes in these movies that you may or may not get depending on if you know yiddish oh now again because i grew up in a house where uh disclaimer the, i do not know yiddish that's okay uh, I, I will teach you my gentile friend um <laughs> but occasionally they'll throw in little yiddish phrases because again they grew like that was where they kind of came up from they were you know, Jewish immigrants or okay. I, I don't know if they were immigrants that maybe their parents were, but the point is, um, they knew Jewish slang. So there's this one moment, uh, when captain Spaulding comes forward and guess like, hooray for captain Spaulding, the American Explorer. Captain Spaulding says, did someone call me a schnorr? Oh yeah. I remember and that. schnorr is a word, a Yiddish word for thief. Oh, okay. So again, that's one of those jokes. I thought that, that was just like a goofy thing. That's like, Oh, that's, that's, See, just a, just a goofy word. You, some people think it one way, some will another. Yeah. Now they don't do that all the time, but they would throw it in here and there. Three, and I, three chairs for Captain Spaulding, and and Harpo brings up three chairs. Yes. No one has three chairs. <laughs> <laughs> that's not too Yiddish. That's just regular English. Mis yeah. Mistakes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know what I like too in uh, these movies? They also break the fourth wall. And they did it since the very beginning, Captain yeah. and Coconuts. Um, like, there's one point where they make a joke, and it doesn't quite work, and Captain Spaulding turns to the camera and says, well, all the jokes can't be good. you got to expect that once in a while. <laughs> I like in Horse Feathers, where uh, Chico is, about, is starting to play the piano, you yeah. know, and it's obligatory piano solo. Right. And they're in the apartment, and he's, and Crouches, like gets up and turns to the audience and says, I have to say, but there's no reason you guys shouldn't go out into the lobby until this thing blows over. <laughs> and I think and I think that explains quite a lot about what the Marx Brothers were, films were supposed to be. I mean, think about when you go to a movie. When do you ever have time to go out and get another snack or drink from the snack bar? Hmm. You don't in modern movies because they are mm -hmm. very tightly paced. You don't know when things are going to happen again. Meanwhile, in Marx Brothers films, you have this spot where a man just plays the piano for three minutes. Yeah, and Harpo just plays the harp yeah. and pl or plays the clarinet. And so, yeah. if, so if you're like a theater goer back in the 1930s, you could be like, oh, this guy's going to play for a while. I think I'll just go out and get another soda or something. No, not necessarily. You might... 
again, you have to remember they that... They served sodas in movie but, theaters in the 1930s. No, right? but that's the thing, though. Co- especially with the coconuts, and may also to an extent with the animal crackers, again, you got to remember that's the beginning of sound of found, sound in film. Yeah. I mean, sound in film. Yeah. That's the I, first I, time that... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you just had the jazz singer not too long before that. It was still kind of an innovation um synchronized sound yeah synchronized sound so people are like wow i get to see someone playing a harp on screen is Ooh. this real yeah well it was a thing <laughs> again now it's funny because i've also read that the marx brothers didn't like how coconuts came out because hmm. they said because they did it as a play and they said that the director the two directors groucho marx had this quote uh, i think i said one of the directors didn't know english and one of them didn't know comedy yeah they had two Two directors. Yeah. Joseph Stanley and Robert Flory. Yeah. Which is weird, but okay. And uh, and also, it's interesting, when you get to Duck Soup, the director of that movie is this guy, Leo McCary, who did a lot of screwball comedies. He was known for a lot of movies. Hmm. So he actually had a full career, and he said that the Marx Brothers could be tough to work with. Oh, no. Well, no, but that they were, well, they were tough to corral, that type of thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, they, they just, you know... They, it's like gathering together like a group of cats. Yeah. And, uh, you know. I see what you mean. Now I just want to see a cat with, like, Groucho's mustache and the cigar. It probably looks so adorable. There's probably a Groucho cat out there somewhere. Yeah. Oh, uh, another piece of trivia about Duck Soup. Mussolini banned the film because he thought it was an sure. attack on him. Sure, because fascists are jerks. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um... The uh, Fredonia song in that is great. The We're Going to War is a masterpiece. I Duck think. Soup has only three songs. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't seem that laden with songs. It's just you remember the songs that are in it. Yeah. Because I, you know what it is? Like, the rest of them aren't, yeah, not that big. The first two, the first one is a little forgettable because it's just like this thing. It, it. Okay, the first song is actually better than I thought it was because it actually sets up Groucho Marx's entrance, mm-hmm. where he's it's like, and they go into the national anthem and they're waiting for him to come in. Yeah, that's so good. And he's late to his own thing, so he just slides down the pole and shows up in the back. It's like yeah. Are you expecting somebody? Yes. <laughs> it's like there's so much fanfare. They're singing this song about how he's supposed to come when the clock strikes ten. Mm. and then women come out spreading flower petals over where he's supposed to come in, and these men draw their sabers in, like, an arch over where he's supposed to come in, and he doesn't show up through there. Mm -hmm. Also, an interesting piece of trivia. Um, The character... Harpo plays a character in Duck Soup named Pinky. Yes. And that has the same... And that's the same name of the character in Horse Feathers. It's weird. So he could now. It might. It does not. The Marx Brothers cinematic universe. Are we establishing it now? Oh God, (laughs) Kevin Feig's uh, next project. I'm going to relaunch a Marx Brothers universe. Oh boy. Which is pretty much the worst idea anybody could ever have. Nobody use it, please. Please don't. Um. Let's get back to Animal Crackers. Animal Crackers was okay. the second film. It's the one with the lost painting and the one with Catherine Spaulding. Yes. It turns into a mess by the end. A little bit, yeah. I mean, there's it's not, there are all it, these things about like missing paintings. Like there are yeah. three paintings that are supposedly identical, and one gets stolen, and then they get switched around, and then by the end they're like, okay, this one's the real painting. We, oh wait, no, no, it's them. not. Yes. Now, you're not sure by the end which is the real painting. Yeah, yeah, and, because and, they, and it's like we got to wrap this up. Okay, that one's the real painting. There, yes. we're done. Yeah, 
And it just like, all right, we're done. We'll finish this up. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. Yeah. It, uh... It's but it's still it works though. The, the narrative is is very loose, but it depends on the jokes. Yeah. Really because, well, the by. thing is, is that both coconuts and animal crackers, those two especially, again, they were plays. So they, if they feel a little bit stage bound, that's why. Uh, and in fact, I think I read that they were even filming the two movies back to back. And like sometimes they would get their characters confused um, <laughs> because they would shoot one in the morning and one at night. Or maybe it was not that, but they were performing on stage at night in movie. It was something like that. But the point is, if they feel a little stage bound, that might be the one little thing that makes them not age as well as Duck Soup. Right. Because Duck Soup is really using more of, like, the tools of cinema. By then, it's 1934. You've had five years of sound films. Right. So you can kind of chart with these five Marx Brothers movies how they're getting a little bit stronger. And as you said, by that movie, it's really compact. But they are able to... There's not a moment wasted in that movie. Yeah, the first three films are very stage-bound, as you said. I mean, they... Monkey Business, too? Yes, they are. Okay. I, it takes a little bit of op, it takes a little bit of advantage of the fact that they're on a ship and you know they use a lot more locations, but the ending is but the climax doesn't uh, it is basically just like everything that happened before, and but then when you start getting into horse feathers, you have that big football game climax, which yeah, is definitely it's a little more staging. cinematic. Uh, and you have a lot more gags, like sawing through the floor to get out yeah. of the locked room, and then you have uh, things like, uh, things like Harpo holding up traffic with the horse, and then it's like the policeman's like, "You see this badge?" And then Harpo opens his jacket and he has like twenty badges. Man, think <laughs> about like what's in Harpo's pants. I know, right? <laughs> I, horse feathers, I know it's like quite a horse feathers still has is getting away from the stage, but yeah. it still has some of those stagey things like that piano solo and the harp solo. Actually, does it have a harp solo? Uh, <laughs> Duck Soup does not have a harp You're right. solo. Everything else does. Right. Um, I guess they just decided. All right, no, it does. It does. It. it it's all like all those things continue through the first four films. Yeah. And even and Horse Feathers, which is the fourth one, it starts to get more cinematic. Yeah. And then finally by the time they get to Duck Soup, they've reached the pinnacle. They've become fully cinematic. They get rid of all the stagey stuff. There's a certain point where I'm watching a Marx Bros movie and like I'll just Harpo doesn't even need to do anything and I'll laugh. <laughs> do you know what I mean? He'll just show up on screen. Like there's like this one moment in Either it was coconuts or animal crackers, where like this character's kind of this woman is crying, and Harpo just kind of shows up, and I kind of laughed, even though it's not a funny <laughs> moment, because he's just him. You expect him to do something funny, so you anticipate it. Yeah, it's like you, it, it, it's, it's, yeah. And there are also sort of subtle things that happens, like in in Horse Feathers, the fourth movie. Uh, Harpo plays this plays Pinky, who's a dog catcher, yeah. and he has a hat that says "dog catcher." Yes, on yes, it. I remember that. But in but at the end of the film, he's actually tasked with kidnapping some football players. So as he walks into the room to kidnap them, his cat has changed from dog catcher to kidnapper. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Awesome. So, uh, and then at the end of that film, the Marx Brothers win the game by completely cheating. Yes, so, that's true too. And nobody minds. It's okay. No, I remember that that whole final football game is kind of a mess, but it's so enjoyable. Yeah, it's just characters going all over the place playing football. It reminds me of when I there was some 
three stooges short years ago i saw where they also play football and it's just total madness yeah there's no rhyme or reason to anything and uh yeah and in that groucho is a professor right Yes. He's well, no. He's professor. he's like the the head of the college. He's like yeah. the dean. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's yeah. So I don't know what else to say about these movies. I mean, they're they're funny. You all should go watch them. Yeah. No. Uh... <laughs> a, a couple of favorite lines from these movies. Other yes. things we haven't mentioned. Um, I mean, with duck soup again, you, you just you could throw a rock and hit a funny line at this movie. Yes. Um, if that makes sense. I mean, um. Connect me to headquarters. Not hindquarters, headquarters. <laughs> All right, your turn. Uh, oh, God, what, what's, a, what's a good line here? Let me, let me pick out one. Um, look, suppose you're on horseback riding and you came to the stream and wanted to ford over there. You couldn't make it. Too deep. But what do you want with a ford when you got a horse? <laughs> <laughs> I can see you in the kitchen bending over a hot stove, but I can't see the stove. Uh, I'll see my lawyer about this as soon as he graduates from law school (laughs) I wouldn't go out there unless I was in those big iron rolling things what do you call those? tanks you're welcome (laughs) I think you've got something there but I'll wait outside until you clean it up (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you know what's funny about duck soup what it's something funny about like all the marx brothers films but it becomes especially pronounced in duck soup yeah in all of the films in all of the marx brothers films even beyond the early ones groucho marx is doing a job which he is inherently in- unqualified for oh yeah all of them yeah <laughs> it's like oh he's an I'm african not, explorer not... and it's like and it's like uh we we sincerely doubt that he's ever been to Africa. Yeah, have you ever run a country? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> have you ever been the dean of the college? No. No. What does he do in Monkey Business again? Monkey Business. He is... Wait, Monkey Business is the one with... Uh... Oh, wait a minute. Oh, yeah, he... you just talked about it. They're, they're stowaways. He's and just like a stowaway. He doesn't like have a real... He doesn't have a real job in that one. Okay. But then in uh, in later in night at the opera, he's supposed to be like the manager of an opera company. And yes. he's you know he's clearly just grifting his way through that one, yeah. just trying to get Ms. the Margaret Dumont's money. It's it's, it's the kind of humor that to explain it in a very basic way, if you, I'm not going to say if if you don't find the Marx Brothers funny, there's something wrong. I'm not going to say that. I mean, maybe this some of the, the I'll jokes. Say it. Maybe, okay, well, good. If you no, but. There's a certain worldview and approach to characters that these movies have where you find them funny because they're upsetting all of the order of the world. Yeah, it's actually one, I think, one of the main reasons why Salvador Dali loved the Marx Brothers so much. Yeah. Why yeah. he wanted to work with them, actually. Yeah, he we talked about script. this a little bit in our in our surrealism episode. Yeah, they made he wrote a script called Giraffes on Horseback Salad. Yeah, and he was friends with with Harpo. Yeah, big friend friends with him, and I think a little bit with Groucho. No, um, I don't think they I don't think they ever really they they met once or twice, but they okay they yeah no Harpo uh, was more of the friend yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah he uh, yeah it's pure it's anarchy. But you enjoy it because of how it's framed. Like, like the the Marx Brothers work because of that the scenarios are so simple. Like, if you made the like the story more complex, they might not work as well. 
Yeah, if you brought any sort of logic into it, where it's like, this is how the real world works. Yeah, well, it's, it's it kind of like... It wouldn't make any sense. Well, it's also kind of like, you know, and then how the Steven Spielberg updated it with Animaniacs, you know, he had his own quasi Marx Brothers with the Animaniacs characters, the, the Warners. Right. And th- they also work because they're thrown into, like, funny scenarios and history and... They, they meet famous characters and stuff like but that. The, but they're also up against these villains who are basically just jerks and heels. Yeah, so, <laughs> so you root for the Marx Brothers to triumph over these heels and to, you know, you, you get to live vicariously through them. Yeah. If that makes sense. I, Animaniacs did its own sort of version of Duck Soup, where Wacko became the king of Anvilania. I need to see that again. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah. It's one of the best. And it's basically like the same thing. It's like, oh, we're going to go to war with you to take over your country. This is our plot. And he's just like running the country, like doing nonsense yeah. all the time, making jokes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like uh, dancing with, with, the, uh, yeah. with the prime minister just because she's hot. Exactly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> things like that. And Duck Soup was doing all that before and it was so finely honed by that point it's become one of the best film comedies of all time exactly yeah Groucho Marx basically just trolls the entire country of Fredonia mm-hmm. because the woman the wealthiest woman in that country just has the hots for him and wants him to be the the the, lead, the president of that country yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like the way, how they get into these messes is also funny because the ca- like other characters somehow have like this ridiculous faith in them. The fact that so many <laughs> characters are interested in uh, Groucho talking about his times in Africa. Yeah, um, although that is a really great speech. I think you know. Oh, that's so great! Yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't know if, uh, if you guys out there have any more thoughts about the Marx Bros movies, any favorite lines that you want to quote to us that maybe we didn't mention, uh, favorite bits, uh, favorite, favorite moment that, uh, when, you know, anytime you put scissors into Harpo's hands, I feel like something's going to happen. Yeah. Um, so if you have any thoughts on this, give us an email at wage of cinema, there's one thing I want to talk about. All right. One more thing. Sure. The ending of duck soup. Which is, you know... Listen, well, I'm going gonna, I'm end... gonna to talk about the ending of Duck Soup. I'm going to talk about the plot of the film. And it will technically be a spoiler, but that's not the reason why you should see a Marx Brothers movie. You should see it for the gags. You should see it for the jokes. And we've told a few of those, but we haven't told all of them. So this is not ruining the film for you. Okay. Okay. The ending of uh, Duck Soup. The war is going on. Fredonia is losing... And the Marx Brothers are all, like, cornered in this one building with Margaret Dumont just trying to fight things off. And all of a sudden, the villain of the movie, his name is uh, Trantino. He's, like, been an ambassador, but for some reason, he is also fighting. He happens to just show up, and they kind of lock him up. Yeah. And they throw fruit at him, and he's like, oh, I surrender. He's like, sorry, you'll have to wait until until the food runs out. Yeah. And then the movie ends. I saw this again and I'm like, wait a minute. Does it not make sense? No, it does make sense. because In a way. <laughs> and, I, and I always just like assumed like, oh, Trantino. He he surrenders so basically. Trantino. Trantino. He, yeah, that damn Tarantino messed up the Marx Brothers plans. He, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, anyway. Trantino. Trantino. He surrenders and I'm like, oh, I guess like he's the leader of the army so it's like everybody's surrendering and Fredonia wins. And I'm like, well, that's one way of thinking of it, but it doesn't have to be that way at all. It's just like, we've gotten closure with this villain. We're basically humiliating him. 
and you know throwing yeah, food at him. Yeah, it is a humiliation. And then it's like, but what happens next? What happens with the war? Do they just lose? And, yeah. and that's what I'm thinking. It's like, oh, they just lose the war. It's over, and then everybody dies, and we've just ended the film before we get to see all the terrible stuff. It's kind of apocalyptic if you think about it. Well, let's not go that far, but that's one way you can look at it. It's like, no, they didn't win the war at all. We just assume they did. Yeah. <laughs> They're uh, Indiana Jones. In the Last Crusade, okay. there are two references to the Marx Brothers. All right, is that like when they're tied up in the chair? No, uh, I was talking first. It's like uh, Indiana Jones has uh, his father's Grail diary. Is like I should have sent it to the Marx Brothers. <laughs> but second, they yeah. reference that line from Duck Soup, where the ruler of whatever the hell country they go to to find the Grail is like, "Oh, you give me this car, and I'll give you all these cool things to help you go find the Grail. We'll give you." Trucks and soldiers and tanks. And uh, Donovan says, you're, you're welcome. Tanks, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I, it almost didn't land. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it took me a second to get that. I'm sorry, it's a long day. Um, so this but, is basically us just nerding out about the Marx Brothers. But the first half of their career. Yes. And I'm going to say this uh, to carry over into our next conversation, which is going to be about the later movies in their career. Uh, I think Duck Soup is their best film. Uh, a lot of people will say that Horse Feathers... Uh, not Horse Feathers. Animal Crackers A lot of their, people will say that A Night at the Opera is their best film. Mm -hmm. And we're going to start with A Night at the Opera the next time we uh, post. Yeah. And we're going to talk a little bit, I think, about the differences between those films. Yes. But here's my argument for why Duck Soup is the best, so we can launch off that yes. into that until later. Uh, Duck Soup is the best because it's incredibly focused. It gets rid of a lot of the tropes that were unnecessary from their previous films, like the musical numbers. It gets rid of the unnecessary musical numbers, and the ones that remain in Duck Soup are clearly the best songs. They got rid of that jerk Zeppo. Yes. <laughs> no, Zeppo I'm, I'm is kidding. in Duck Soup. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, but, you know... It's, it has basically two great songs. Uh, last one is We're Going to War, which is like this parody of musical numbers. Yeah. And then it just ends in this really great climax. Yeah. And I think that brevity and that focus is really what put du puts Duck Soup over the top yeah. over A Night at the Opera. But we're going to look at oh. A Night at the Opera later to see oh, that. One later. more interesting fact I want to put out there, and I might lead – I might I'm saying this so I can kind of lead off for the uh, – last conclusion song that I'll put in this podcast. Um, the Ramones were inspired by uh, the Marx Brothers for one of their songs. Which one? Which is called I'm Against It. Ah. And uh, it's just them railing about things that they're against. But I can't help but think that Joey Ramone saw um, their movies and was like, I want to do a tribute to them. Hey, I'm against things too. Yes. Um, I, I don't know how I respond to that argument. I mean, for the for the next part of our discussion, I'd say that they're different films, but yeah, the focus in Duck Soup makes it a little bit stronger, even though the set pieces in Night Op uh, Night the Opera are so good. Yeah, like they're so strong that you almost want to say it's better than Duck Soup. You do, and and Night and at we'll the Opera talk about is that. hilarious. There are so I... many things in Night the Opera that just. In terms of gags that mount, things things that build so tremendously that you think that, like, it's almost like when you hear, like, a rock solo that you think, there's no way this can go on longer. And it does. <laughs> yeah. Night at the Opera is full of that. Night, Night at the Opera has these great set-piece gags, yeah. which really pay off. 
And duck soup has a few of those, but they're not as strong. But I think it makes up more than makes up for that with the rapid fire nature of all the jokes that they have in duck soup. It's yeah. like a joke every three seconds. Yes. So with that, um, like I said, if you have any thoughts about these movies and favorite lines, send us an email to wagescinema at gmail.com. You know, if you have a favorite bit or something, share it on our Facebook page or tweet us and we'll, we'll share it with the world and we'll make sure that people see those bits and that people love them. And, uh, because the Marx brothers are awesome and some 90 plus years on, they hold up. Yeah. Surprisingly. Yes. They hold up. Cause a lot of comedy doesn't, I mean, you have things like people like the Ritz brothers. You ever hear of them? Oh yeah. We've seen one of their movies, the gorilla. Oh yeah. Oh, man, that movie. That wasn't very good. No, it wasn't at all. <laughs> I know the Ritz Brothers just from this Donald Duck cartoon where he's, like, going around the studio asking different celebrities from the period for their autograph. Huh. And he comes across the Ritz Brothers, and they just, like, mess Donald up. Because, <laughs> like, when they first appear, they're doing, like, some weird Egyptian dance in unison. And... Donald Duck comes back and he's like, you have your autograph? I can't do a Donald Duck voice right now. Clearly. And I could do it better if I had more time. But um, but then, like, the three of them go, like, he, they actually sing, like, he wants our autograph. He wants our autograph. <laughs> and then they gang up on him and just, like, like, put him in knots or something. Weird. It is such a great short. That's one of my favorite animated shorts of all time, the autograph hound. Nice. That's a side note. But with that, and oh, by the way, the Marx Brothers appear in that briefly. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, so anyway, with that, join us next time because we will finish our discussion on the Marx Brothers. And we have more to say. We have They have made a lot of movies. And we're going to talk about Night at the Opera and Day at the Races. And uh, Not all of them are great, though. <laughs> no, but the we'll another talk about question why. is if they're funny, though. All right. So with that, I'm Jack. I'm Andrew. And remember, the wages of cinema is quack. Good night.